Good morning, church. <clears throat> I always thought being on mission meant, meant to go to another country to bring the gospel, food, and materials to the people who are impoverished or in need of something that I or an organization that I've come to come with will be able to provide. I never imagined that those opportunities can be available within my own community and backyard. <clears throat> being, on, being in the community and the neighborhood that I lived in, I knew that there were people who didn't believe in the gospel, and the lack of that impacted the way they lived their lives. I acknowledge, I acknowledge how knowing the gospel has dramatically changed who I am, the views of the world, sin, forgiveness, repentance, and salvation. Knowing these things and how great they are, I wanted to share them with the people around me, my family, my friends, and the people I come in contact with. But who am I? What am I supposed to do? What skills do I have that I can possibly do something that can change the God, that can bring the gospel to these people? Being at Seven Mile really changed my view of what it be, means to be on mission. I realized that being in according in accordance to God's will. I have the responsibility and I have to be in obedience to what God has called me to do, to be. I have to go out, look for, and actively seek people in my community, my neighborhood, who are looking for and seeking the gospel. Some of these people might not know what the gospel is and don't even know that they need it. But there's always a reason why I can't do it. I don't have enough time. I am too lazy to make the effort. I have too many life responsibilities in my own family and work. There is always someone else that will do it. I don't possess the talent or have the words to talk to people. What will I say? But I realize that if I depend on myself for these things, I will fail. I realize that God has already given me all that I need to be part of his will. I just have to be willing to be in obedience and to put my excuses to the side and step into something that might make me uncomfortable. Being part of Seven Mile gave us the opportunity of joining local groups called GCMs that gathered together to build up each other's faith and those in our community. Part of the main objective of the GCM was to be on mission to the community around us. And one of the first things we were tasked with was to seek where God wanted us to be in our community. So we started looking into a variety of communities and organizations in our local neighborhood and thought of how we can be part of these communities. So we came across an organization called North Hills. We were not sure how things would work out. What should we do? How can we help? What do they need that we can provide? But as always, God stepped in, opened up doors for opportunities to be part of this community. We started off with little things like tutoring the kids, setting up their computer lab, then we organized free family photo shoots, a movie night, even an Easter egg hunt. He gave us the opportunity to share the gospel in a small way by sharing the story, the death and resurrection of Christ through resurrection eggs. What was interesting was that no one told us that we were not able to share the gospel, pray with the kids and families. Actually, everyone was really receptive to it. God really stepped in to foster and help develop relationships with the staff and kids of this community. It is now our fourth year fourth year there. The kids know me as Miss P and my son Palin as Mr. P. They see us, know our faces, ask about our kids. They look forward to our presence within the community. They know that we are part of a community of believers and that we truly care for them. We have started to be a part of their community. 
As, it, as I said earlier, we have even shared the gospel with them in a small way, prayed with them and for them. God has a purpose for us at North Hills. He wanted us to be there at a specific, at a specific time, at this specific place, doing these specific things. I learned that I don't have to look too far to be on mission. I don't have to go to another country, but rather look in my own backyard, in my own neighborhood. We have the opportunity to be on mission there. I'm just here to offer emotional support. I really don't have anything to say. <laughs> no. Um, let me get my paper out. <laughs> Slightly. You guys ever heard the, um, the verse that says uh, children are like arrows in the quiver of a warrior? <clears throat> I think today I realized what that meant. It, it means if you have enemies, you can throw your children at them. <laughs> Live with them for a little bit. Um, <clears throat> so like, <clears throat> you know what they don't, <laughs> you know what people don't say when you have a kid? Like, um, I know there's the whole like, oh man, he's going to have like our eyes and I wonder what he's going to look like and all that stuff. That's wonderful, right? Before you have the kid, it's wonderful. <clears throat> but you know what they don't say? What they don't say is that they cry so much that when they stop crying and they go to sleep and you go and take a shower, it sounds like the shower is crying at you. Have you, have you ever heard that? And then you open the door and it's silence, is nothing. And you think you're going crazy, like you're nuts. And then the other thing, the first time this ever happened is when you go and hang out with like your boys and then you come back at home. The one time I hung out with my boys and I came back and it, the, the birds were singing when I came back home. Nobody tells you that the baby's not going to let you sleep the rest of the day. <laughs> it was like death the day, that day. <clears throat> so what happens is, as you have a kid, little seeds of frustration and anger, sleeplessness, all the stuff starts adding up. And every part of raising a child, there comes new challenges, right? For example, brushing your teeth. No one told me I had to tell my children 27 times a day, both of them, to brush their teeth. Sometimes I'll walk into, uh, I'll leave my oldest one in the, in the bathroom and say, hey, brush your teeth. And 20 minutes later, I'll come back and he's still staring, at the, staring in the mirror with his brush in his hand and the paste still on there. I'm like, what were you doing for 27, like 20 minutes this whole time? And the, my little one, he's a negotiator. I have learned to become a, you know, like a negotiator at this point. I tell him to do something, and he wants to ask me why, and we have to have a 10, 15-minute conversation on why we need to do this thing. At, now, at this point, I'm just like, just do it. Like, I told you to do it, just do it. And then now, it's, I'm starting to sound like our parents, right? I to, because I told you so, just do it. So what becomes like a two-minute exercise turns into like a 27, 30-minute process, which I learned also the first time I ever had to go do anything like, with children. What I thought would take 10 minutes ended up being like 45 minutes because you have to negotiate with your children, get them to do all this kind of stuff, and then finally get out of the door. It's just hard. So, <clears throat> so I always wonder why God wants to demonstrate his family within this family structure. It's like such chaos. So, <clears throat> so my saving grace in all of this was this. Okay, One day, I'm going to get my number one dad coffee mug for my kids, or maybe, I mean, maybe, a very long speech of how wonderful we were and how we helped raise them up to who they were at their wedding day. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> but all of that goes out of the window 
when we spend like an hour in the night screaming and yelling at our kids to try to get them to pray and to read the Bible. Some days I'm like, I just don't want them to pray. I just want to go to sleep. Just, I will pray as quickly as possible. I know you don't want to pray. I'm like, anybody want to pray? No, not me. Anybody else? No, not me. Anybody else? No, not me. None of you want to pray. And there have been times where I was like, nobody has anything to thank God for today, and, and none of them can think of anything. So I get frustrated beyond belief, and I say, all right, we're, you know what we're going to do? We're going to recap from the morning what we did all the way to the night, and we will figure out one thing you can thank God for. And as the process goes by, they're like in tears and crying because I'm screaming at them the entire time. Like, read the Bible. Read the Bible. Then they pick up the Bible, and they read. And what do they read? But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace and patience. I'm like, why of all the nights did you have to read this verse? Because <laughs> all it does is prove how, how, how much I fail at all these things. So, <clears throat> so this is the, that, that is the Bible. I have a Bible verse in my kitchen, and it's from Galatians 5, and it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. That verse is pretty much there to torture me every day. <clears throat> I have it there to remind me of all the things I fail every day. Pretty much I fail at almost every one of those things at some point with the boys. Then it hits me, I'm not getting this number one dad coffee bug. Actually, I, why should I? I thought as a dad that I would show them the example of how God was, merciful, kind, loving, all that stuff. Instead, I've shown them how desperately I need him to lead, guide, run, and keep this family together. Trying to show them a perfect example of a heavenly family is missing something. It's the fact that I'm not perfect, and I, as well as them, need him to keep us together. And uh, <clears throat> what I've learned is that in a family, we all stumble, and we all fall, we all love, we all grow, and this whole ball of relationship, there has to be God in the center, because he's the one who heals, he, he's the one who leads, he's the one who grows us, and I guess that's why he chose family. So I'm just here to say I'm thankful and I'm grateful to God, grateful that the pressures of trying to be perfect or live up to being a great father is lifted up off of me, off because of all the things that need to be done are done already. <clears throat> I just need to be an arrow to point, point my kids to point my way to the father who actually knows how to do it right. And they need to see me trust him, rely on him, not know all the answers, but know who to go for it. And often it, at at church, we sing a song called Good, Good Father, and in the reflection of my many fails as a dad, I remember that his greatness is not contingent on my goodness, and thank God for that. morning. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Robin. Um, I just want to start off by saying 2015 was a good year for me. I can say it was a good year because I came back to faith earlier in that year. I still remember the first Sunday I came back to church. It was actually on Easter Sunday, and I didn't plan that at all. Uh, I remember I always struggled with the concept that God was provident and that he was in control. So I feel like that was just a small way that he was showing me that even in my season of unbelief, that he was in control the whole time and he was with me the whole time. So I remember thinking before I came to church that Sunday, I told myself I was going to keep my emotions in check. I was just kind of go, uh, go with the flow, 
and just kind of reflect inwardly. But I remember when Sibby sang the song, Because He Lives, and when he sang the lyrics, Amen, I'm alive, I'm alive, because he lives, the emotions just completely hit me. I remembered all the times that I made mistakes. I remembered all the things that I said, all the restless nights where I wondered if God existed and if he even cared about me, and just the whole journey in general, um, leading up to being in church on Easter Sunday out of all, all the Sundays. And needless to say, in that moment, I couldn't keep my emotions in check. The very least that I could do was to praise God with my mouth and lift my hands to him. The thing was, I struggled with my faith for years, but I didn't realize it until about two years ago. Growing up, I had a lot of questions about the Bible. I had a lot of questions about God. But I just kind of came to the conclusion that these questions would never be answered. And you would just r drive yourself in circles trying to answer these questions. So I came to uh, the conclusion that these answers just wouldn't be answered. And I filled in the gaps with my own thoughts and my own ideas that just weren't biblical. And so essentially what I did was, just like the parable in the Bible, I built this house on a weak foundation. So that when storms and winds came my way, this house didn't stand. And when my long-term relationship ended, it was the first time I got drunk. I placed my hope and identity in things that kept failing me. And I started compromising everything I once believed in to the point I had to ask myself, did I even believe this anymore? Everything com became completely twisted in my mind. The cross went from a message of grace to one of condemnation, and a God of love was turned into a tyrant. And I can honestly say the truth was I wanted God, I needed God, but I refused to believe for those reasons. The Christian story, let alone the Bible, just didn't make sense to me anymore. This season was definitely the toughest uh, period of my life. Growing up, if I had hard times, I knew I could go to God, but I didn't have that anymore. And not only did I not have hope for myself, I didn't have hope for the people I cared most about. So that really tore my heart because I could only sit there and watch or, or offer empty words because I knew there was no rhyme or reason to anything. Looking back, I now know that God was using these circumstances to draw me back to him. And like that, God was tugging at my heart by his spirit through the words and prayers of friends and family who never gave up on me. I know I don't have a photographic memory, but I want to say that I haven't forgotten a single text, haven't forgotten the conversations, the dinners we've had, the sermons that you sent me, or when you carried me home when I couldn't walk on my own. Just the other day, I was talking to a good friend about how he put a prayer request in a time capsule that I come back to faith in the beginning of 2015. I know I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for these prayers, and they mean more to me than you'll ever know. Looking back, I can see how God carried me every step of the way, just like in the poem Footprints. All along, God just wanted me to believe in him again, truly as he is, and one by one, all the idols I held my security in, whether it be a relationship, whether it be family, career, or a hobby, all failed until I had nothing else but God. I wish I could say I have everything figured out, but I don't. There are still things that I'm wrestling with, but I'm at peace that God will deal with that in his time. I also know that I can't do this alone, and I need to walk in a community with a body of believers. As Pastor Jay once told me, once lovingly told me, like National Geographic, lions don't attack the herd as much as go after the straggler who gets isolated. I wish I, wish I listened to those words back then, but at least I know going forward, especially since sin and doubt are not something that I deal with once 
and then it's finished. It's something that I'm going to have to deal with over and over, and I need to be vigilant that it doesn't take root again. I know life's not getting any easier, and I need to pray for strength, read the word, and walk in community daily so that when storms and winds beat against the house I've built, it will stand on firm foundation. Coming back to faith has made me realize more clearly than before that I've been given a second chance, and my heart aches for those who don't believe. Even as I say this, I think of my closest friends and family who, even as I say this, images of the closest uh, friends and family come to mind, and I can see myself in them because that was me, completely lost and looking to fill my void with the temporary pleasures of this world. Just like the many who prayed fervently for me, I pray God will make his presence known to those that I know, and I realize it's only but a drop in an ocean full of people who need to be awakened to their need of the one true Savior. Good morning. Um, I was expecting my wife and uh, kids to be up here with me, but um, unfortunately they're at home sick and uh, Lauren's taking care of them. So um, she had some things that she also wanted to say uh, and, and they'll be part of this. Um, maybe I'll like change my voice to make it sound like her or something. <laughs> That's not a good idea. Um, <laughs> anyway, my testimony is uh, more about, um, well, it's about what God's doing in my life. Um, but it's also a lot about this church and what this church is doing for us um, uh, in, in the way that Christ is providing for us. Um, we've been coming to Seven Mile Road for about a year now, and uh, in that time, God has provided abundantly for us. Um, and so I'm, I'm really excited to be able to stand up here and explain uh, some, of those, some of those things um, and how they've, they've impacted us. Um, Seven Mile Road, you treasure the gospel. Uh, one of the first observations that Lauren and I had about this church is that the gospel is communicated in every sermon. Uh, the Christian's transformation from sinner to righteousness based on faith in the life of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection is a message that I need to hear regularly, uh, my wife needs to hear it regularly, and my kids need to hear it regularly. So I'm thankful that I get to hear it here every Sunday. Uh, because of your love for the gospel, you keep, the, you keep that message central to the worship service. If you pay attention to the details, um, the gospel is communicated in every portion of the service from um, the worship songs to the, the different speaking parts and um, even the kids' ministry. The truth of the word and the purity of the gospel is celebrated here in words and actions um, Matthew 16.25 says, Whoever loses his life for the sake of Christ will find it. As I'm getting to know many of you, I continue to see a willingness to sacrifice for the sake of Christ. Um, God is using you to provide for me and to challenge me. The gospel pours into you and it flows out of you and it's making a difference uh, for me and my family. From week to week, Lauren and I can be all over the place. We're you heard a um, story about raising kids this morning, and it just felt so close to home. Uh, <laughs> whether it's kids or work or even just trying to get out of the house to come to church, um, it's so easy to be distracted from, from thankfulness um, to God for what he's done for us through Jesus Christ. And we've always found 
Seven Mile Road to be a, a rock that we can lean on to point us back to Jesus. Um, whether it's GCM or uh, Soul Care, something we've also noticed is um, you know, even in, in other outside activities, um, this church is, is committed to biblical community. Um, this is something Lauren wanted to tell you. Uh, within a couple weeks of us coming here, we were, were back in the hospital having a baby, and uh, it was a really exciting time, but it was just such a quick transition for us to sort of find a new church, start feeling like we had a home, and then disappear for a little while. But um, we didn't know very many of you, and, and someone reached out to Lauren and asked if she um, would like to have meals provided. Uh, and, uh, and just like on a, you know, weekly basis or every couple of days. And, um, that was a, you know, it was a big help for us uh, from a practical standpoint, but it was just the generosity without even knowing us, you reached out and asked to, to do that for us. And in many ways, or at least in some cases, um, we met a few of you that way. So, uh, we were really, uh, really appreciative of the hospitality and that was evidence, um, of, of the way that Christ's, uh, Christ's love is um, just, just central to this church. Um, it's so easy, um, also like you've heard, to just to come up with excuses for not meeting together. Um, and if nothing else, this church has shown us that having kids is never an excuse. Um, we love that uh, our kids are never in the way, and uh, they're also never alone whenever we go somewhere. Um, but we're, we're welcome that way. That's been really important to us. Um, a few things. Uh, your commitment to attendance, your openness in discussions, uh, and your honesty about real situations. These things make it possible for newcomers like us to become part of community and quickly form deep relationships. Um, everyone here has become like family to us and we were just talking after the Christmas Eve service about how God's taken such good care of us since coming here and being able to call Seven Mile Road our home. Um, my two and a half year old daughter uh, today was, I, I, it was hard for me to break it to her that I got to go to church and she didn't. Um, and that's like a, that's a crazy thing to have her wake up in the morning and look forward to church on Sundays. and. Have it also, it's not just a fun place, it's a place where she learns about Jesus and she comes home and talks about the things that she learned. And I'm like, where did you hear that? That's, that's amazing. Uh, and so to have that together, that she loves it, um, that it's, uh, you know, so gospel-centered and it's this, this safe place. Um, as a father, it's, uh, it's, it's my main goal to... Um, to, to lead my household according to God's will and uh, to be a loving husband and provide a safe and secure environment for my children to grow up and learn about Jesus. Um, I can't do that on my own and, and I fail at this regularly and uh, it, it's, it, it's difficult, but, but God is, and, and Jesus are helping me. Um, and this church has just been a huge part of that. Um, so that's just, that's, that's our uh, testimony in that way that, that you guys have been there um, for teaching and correction for me and for my wife, um, whether it's soul care. And, I mean, you guys uh, get your hands dirty in soul care. It's, uh, it's really cool. It, this is good stuff that we do here. And, um, and we do it because we love Jesus, and, and I love to be a part of that. 
um, and you're caring for my family and, and my children. Um, so thank you and, and keep seeking Christ. Hello. <clears throat> when I would think of people who are missionaries, I would think of people who had to go to a faraway country for an extended period of time, serving the people of that community in great ways. I never knew if I was good enough to be a missionary or if I was even strong enough in my faith to be a missionary. But being at Seven Mile, now I know we are all called to be missionaries that we don't need to travel overseas, but we can be on mission right here in our neighborhoods within our city. Three and a half years ago, our Northeast GCM decided we would make a covenant to be on mission to serve Anne Frank Elementary School. During our initial meeting with the principal, he shared his hesitations working with the church. He felt there were too many children from families with varying faiths and cultural backgrounds he didn't know how it could work. He didn't know, he didn't want anyone to feel the school was favoring a certain faith over another. That fall, our daughter Corinne started kindergarten at Anne Frank. Shibu and I realized how important it was for our children and our family to be a beacon of salt and light to others who do not know God. The very first week, she befriended one of her classmates. Their friendship sparked an instant connection and friendship with this girl's mom and myself. Corinne's friend's mom happened to be the president of the Holman School Board. With my friend on the board's help, I started to connect with many other children's moms on the Holman School Board, and I was able to relay the school's needs with our GCMs. Our GCM started serving in small ways, purchasing supplies for the kindergarten class, packing up pretzels to sell out weekly to children, helping for a car wash, helping with a color run, and even giving them an idea for a designer bag bingo night. Last year, we were able to plan a great block party right here at Seven Mile, with all the proceeds going back to Anne Frank. Still, we felt stuck. We felt as if we could be doing more, and we weren't having a connection, to the point where we considered looking for other organizations to serve. This summer, when we met with Pastor Binu to talk about how things were going with our missional covenant, he coached us and encouraged us to stay on mission, even at times when we felt discouraged. Giving another try, Ajay, Mike, and I met this year with the principal to discuss a new proposal. In the proposal, we suggested offering a free family photo shoot on the school grounds. To our surprise, his reaction to this proposal was a complete 180 from his reaction to our initial meeting with him three and a half years ago. The principal and the rest of the planning team were extremely excited and were on board with helping us set this up. Our presence at the school aided in building trust and good reputation with Seven Mile. The photo shoot was a huge success. All three Northeast GCMs pulled together and we were able to provide portraits for over 50 families. For some of these families, this was their very first family portrait. Many of the families reached out, express, expressing gratitude and asking when the next photo day may be. 
Now the principal, principal confesses he's so happy to see our relationship, how our relationship has evolved and grown and looks forward to many more event planning with us. Our presence and reputation also helped one of the former board members of the home and school to reach out to me asking for prayer. She asked if our GCMs could pray for a teenage girl who had been in a terrible car accident and was in a coma. So we did. A few weeks later, Joyce from one of our Northeast GCMs happened to overhear her coworkers talking about a girl involved in a car accident. Hearing this and knowing it was the same girl, Joyce was able to share with her coworker that our church had been praying for her. I am happy to report this, that this young girl is now awake and slowly recovering. Sorry. As Luke 10, 2 says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send some workers in the fields. I wanted to encourage you all here. Sometimes God allows doors to open and events to happen very slowly. But that doesn't mean we have to feel discouraged. If we pray to the Lord, he will allow opportunities to occur for us to show the love he has so graciously poured onto us. I desire that being out in mission, serving in small or large ways, can allow the families at Anne Frank to see a light and joy that is different from some, someone who doesn't know the gospel and know Jesus. Slowly over time, with many conversations, our GCM can spark an interest to those families, eventually leading them to believe in Jesus Christ. I am grateful that God has called me, along with my family, to be missionaries. There is still much more work to be done, and I look forward to many more opportunities to serve with my GCM and my family at Anne Frank in 2016. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, we're Sim and Paul Terwilliger, and we're sharing our testimony in regards to our GCM. Hi, so I'm Sim of Sim and Paul Terwilliger. And <laughs> um, some of you may know I come from a Jewish background. I'm actually a Jewish believer, so I didn't grow up going to church. I didn't know many Christians. Um, I didn't have a Christian community. I was kind of living in a bubble. Um, through a weird series of events, I ended up getting connected to Seven Mile in 2010. Um, and when I first got here, I was immediately overwhelmed with how friendly all of you were. We're a really friendly church. Um, and that kept me coming back. That and Todd Ferwarda. If you guys know who he is, you know what I'm talking about. So shortly after I started attending, I met John and Shelly, who invited me to small group. And honestly, I wasn't really thrilled with the idea because I didn't know what community was and I was nervous. But I think I was just so excited that they invited me that I decided to go. And when I got there, I noticed that everyone in the group made me feel welcome, and they didn't treat me like some goofy college kid who was learning how to adult, but they treated me like an individual who was worthy of love, friendship, and their community. A lot of people sacrificed their time just to pick me up, to make sure I was able to go out and be part of community. They dropped me off at home. Um, they just really made it a, a point to make sure that I was able to join them, even with my busy schedule at school. And then a couple of years later, Mr. Paul came along, 
so when I started dating Sim three years ago, I decided to commit to Seven Mile Road as my home church. And uh, so I also joined the Center City GCM. And as I invested my life into the group, I was able to receive support for my specific struggles. SoulCare was small at the time. Uh, for the guys, it was just me and John. And, uh, and the girls met as well. Um, but as our group continued to meet over the next two years, it grew in size. And over these years, I saw how we shared our lives. We met every week, even over the summer, to study God's word and to build each other up. But I also saw how we began to spend time outside of GCM. We had barbecues, we celebrated holidays together, we did things like celebrating Avi's birthday and hanging out in Center City. And uh, throughout all this, I began to see our GCM as more than simply maybe a Bible study or a support group. Uh, they, became, they, began, sorry, they began to become my friends and family. And so when I would spend late nights studying for exams or writing essays, they were there to spur me on. When I would struggle with sins new and old, they were there to rebuke me. And when I proposed to my girlfriend, they were there to celebrate with me. So many of you know that Paul and I got married in May, which is a little over seven months ago. Our engagement was really difficult. That's probably not new for most of you because I'm sure engagements are difficult for everyone. But I just want to give some examples of how our GCM family supported us during our engagement, our wedding, and then our marriage. So let me start with John. John is really incredible in that he is a doctor, he has two kids, a wife, and he has an incredible memory as he's leading our GCM. Every week we would come in, he would remember exactly what we had shared with him last week. He would ask us about it. He would be very patient as we shared our new drama. Um, and we were really fortunate to have him read scripture at our wedding. That was really meaningful for us. Then there's Shelly. She worked on what I'm calling my Pinterest project on crack. Basically, I had over 60 mason jars. You can't have a Pinterest project without mason jars. I had over 60 mason jars, twine, and little name tags that Shelly took time, hole-punched each name tag, tied the twine through it, and then around each mason jar so my guests at the wedding would know where they're sitting and it would look all pretty for a short period of time. Then there is Larissa, who is my BA day of coordinator. Um, she sacrificed, she won't admit to this, but she definitely sacrificed her own fun during that day, her own relaxation, and just made sure that all the behind the scenes, all the logistics were taken care of while she was trying to dance on the dance floor, pulled her off, Larissa, fix my bustle. She did it all with a smile on her face, didn't complain once. Then there was David, who we were so fortunate to have stand with us as a groomsman. And I think it was when I was starting to reach the peak of being a bridezilla, who, by the way, are not born, but are bred. <laughs> I'm saying to David, like, it's, the, you know, the biggest emergency in the world. David, you have to make sure that Paul doesn't have any nose or hair coming out of his nose. You have to go and make sure that he grooms himself for the wedding. And instead of just, you know, rolling his eyes as he should have, he went out and bought a pair of clippers. And on the day, <laughs> and on the day of the wedding, he's trimming my husband's nose hairs. <laughs> Shout out to Shibu Photography for yeah. getting that on camera. <laughs> then there's Jesse, who took time off of work just to drive around to three different produce junctions with Shinu. Shout out to Shinu. Um, just to make sure that I had the best flower arrangements for my wedding. She also did some light bodyguard duty, bodyguarding duty at my wedding. Saju and Mike. Um, during the week of our wedding, they saw how stressed Paul and I were, which again is probably not atypical, and they forced us to go out and have fun with them. They just said, hey guys, you want to go to Mashulu? I'm like, all right, Mashulu, fine, whatever. 
And let me tell you, that was the most that I had laughed in the entire like month, was it nine month span of our engagement. That was such a joyful night and a blessing to us that we were able just to have some fun. Then there was Lindsay, who, even though I didn't know her very well at the time, she was always down for listening to me as I was sharing new drama for the week and would just pray for me, pray specifically for the things I was sharing with her, again, not knowing me very well. After we got married, we met Betsy and Sanju, who coincidentally got married the same day as we did. So it's been a real joy sharing in the newlywed experience with them. And, you know, Betsy and I will text each other, happy month anniversary, because guys don't care about that. <laughs> it's also been great. It's also been great getting to know Sam and Sharon, who recently joined our group as well and have quickly become friends to us. Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus dwelt with people. He met needs, spiritual, emotional, and physical. Through these examples, you can see how our GCM family served us the way Christ did. And they did that mostly by just doing life with us. And so through our years as a part of Seven Mile Road, we've been trying to live lives pleasing to God. Our lives have had complications that make this faith difficult. And Hebrews 12, uh, 1 through 2 instructs us to let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. And how are we to do that? Well, God in his grace gives us many resources and we believe that our community is an important one. In fact, we don't believe that we're meant to do this race alone, but in our community. Our GCM has been ever present throughout to build us up through work, school, family and personal life, and to encourage us through the intricacies of dating, engagement, and the first months of our marriage. Hebrews 10.24 reads, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Our testimony is this, how our GCM has stirred us up through difficult times, and how in the complexities of life they have encouraged us in love towards the love and good works that we strive for, pushing us closer to Christ as a crucial part of his sanctifying work in our lives. Thank you. Praise the Lord, church. You guys are awake, right? Praise the Lord. Uh, for those that know me, they know that I'm a very black and white type person, and you'll hear words like, this was amazing, and then you'll hear words like, this was the worst. <laughs> you'll hear, this was great, and this is terrible. Uh, when we were, a couple days ago, we were cleaning out my garage, and I had one question for Liz. Is this trash or not trash? <laughs> There's two categories, trash or not trash. That's all I wanted to know. We have a lot more space in my garage right now. A lot ended up as trash. As I think about 2015, I, I struggled to get up here a little bit because I want to say it was the worst. I want to say it was really bad. <clears throat> I think it was the worst year that I can remember for a long time. And from January through this year, entire year, it's been, it's been difficult. My father was diagnosed <clears throat> with illness after illness, 
and illnesses that we did not understand in any way, shape, or form. As his cancer came back, and as he struggled with physical and mental challenges, we were ill-equipped as a family. As I look at my brothers, as I look at my wife and my sister-in-laws and my family, we were ill-equipped to deal with any of that. I praise God for our pastors who preached on Ruth earlier this year. And if you haven't heard that sermon series, you need to hear that series. Because that gave us the strength to be able to, to, to manage and survive through some of these challenges. If I look at 2015, I can honestly say I've cried more this past year than I've ever cried. And I'm not one that likes to admit to crying. I think, Liz, I think Emily's once asked me, do I have tears? Do I cry? <laughs> but there were days when I would drive home in the car and I would just cry uncontrollably because I didn't know what to do. I literally didn't know what to do. Through that time, I asked God why we were going through these challenges and we prayed and we prayed. And oftentimes we didn't hear the answers we were hoping to hear. Oftentimes we didn't hear anything at all. But being at this church and growing in Jesus Christ helped us, these challenges helped us grow in the gospel. I can say as I look in, Jan in January 2016 that God was with us. And if God is with us, who can be against us? And in the highs and the lows, in the emotional roller coaster that we went through, God was with us. You know, I preached a sermon earlier this year from Psalms 34 that I will bless the Lord at all times. And I can say that we were able to bless the Lord at all times through these difficult circumstances because we knew that no matter what happened, that at the end of the day that we were the children of God, that God was our Father, that we were His children, and that He loved us and that He was with us. This verse from Psalms 34 carried me. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. God saved us, and God was with us. You know, as I look back on this year, and I look back on the challenges, I can say that even through all those difficulties, we never felt alone because we had a living King of Kings and Lord of Lords that we could cry out to and we knew that he would hear us. And a lot of times he didn't deliver the answers that we were looking for, but we knew that he had everything under control. And we knew that even through these difficult times, that showed, even if we were pushed to the brink of death, that death would mean that we would meet him again in glory. And so I thank and praise God that he was with us in this difficult time. And as we enter into 2016, dad is not healed. As I look back at 2015, Liz's rheumatoid was not healed. It only got worse. Liz's dad faced a life-threatening illness. Liz was in a car accident. Her car was totaled, and I was 3,000 miles away, unable to help. And in all these things, God was with us. And in all these things, God loved us. And what we learned most, what I learned most through these experiences that was that 
The only way that we could survive was through the gospel of Jesus Christ and knowing that he was our savior. That in each of these difficult times, I knew that God loved us and that he had saved us. And as I enter into 2016, that's now the urgency in my heart that how could I have survived these challenges without Jesus, how could I have survived? I would not have survived. I would have gone into depression. I would have gone into utter chaos. But knowing that Jesus has saved us, allowed us to get through these challenges. And as I think about 2016, the only thing that I can pray is, God, I have an urgency to share the love of Christ with those around me. As I enter into 2016, the urgency of the gospel is so burning in my heart to know that if I, without the gospel, I would not have survived those difficult times. Now we need to go share that gospel with those around us. We need to go share that gospel with our friends and our family and our neighbors. And Liz and I talk often, how can we share this good news with those around us? You know, God has given us some good times with my father the last couple months, and he's answered our prayer. He still has cancer, and he's still going through a difficult time, but I feel like he's given us peace and joy with him over the last couple of months. And I praise God for what 2016 has. I know that our Christian lives are not easy. I've learned in 2015 that life is difficult, and I look forward to the day that we will reign with him in eternity. And my hope and prayer is that we can bring as many of our family and friends with us so that they may have joy in heaven when we are with him in the life to come. May God bless you with these words. Good morning, church. God is good. Amen. So we've, uh, we've come here on Testimony Sunday every year for the last five years. Um, you may get tired of hearing us, but it's because God has faithfully led us through a major life event each of those years. And that, that is through this church and through our GCM alone. And that's why I'm here again, standing before you with uh, Shelly, uh, to share another life event with you. Romans 8, 15 through 17. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. So last year, at this time, January 2015, we were one week before going to India to pick up uh, our daughter. Um, we were a family of three, and uh, we were about to go to India to pick up uh, Sonali and to instantaneously become a family of four. I shared then that uh, our adoption story was just really a reflection of his greater adoption story. And, and his story was so much greater because uh, because he adopted us when we were more undesirable than any child could ever be. And, and he had paid a bigger price than, than any one of us could ever pay. And, and he had given us a gift better than any of us could ever give a child. 
But I had no idea at that time that there were more reflections of, of this greater story that we were about to learn in the coming year. So we were back in India in January, just 12 months ago, uh, to pick up Sony. And it was so different from the previous time we had gone to visit her. And we had just seen her in October of 2014, and, and we managed to maintain, create some sort of rapport with her, and she was easy to get to come with us. But this time in January, when we were really going to bring her home, uh, she was very reluctant. She did not want to come with us. In the end, she actually had to be pried away from the nuns at the orphanage in tears as she got put in our car uh, to go away despite our best attempts to appease her. But, but in, in just a span of a short half hour, she had gone from crying uncontrollably to smiling and, and being happy and taking pictures with us and posing, which is probably what you ended up seeing on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> but, but just in that half hour, we started to get a glimpse of what our complete family was going to be like. But it was not till the next morning that uh, I noticed a dramatic difference. When she was in a happy mood that just the day before, she had a total aversion to me the next day. She was attached to Shelley, thankfully, but she wanted to run away from me. And it didn't matter what we did, even when we sat her in, in a taxi cab between Shelley and I, she would actually get up and move to the other side of Shelley and sit down. And I started thinking and I started recounting everything that had happened. And I couldn't elicit a single trigger that would have pushed her away from me. And this continued for a while and for a couple of weeks. And it was never ending. And, and, and what turned out to be frustration just churned anger in my heart. How could she not love me? I had loved her when no one else did including her own birth parents. I had spent a lot of money to make this happen, for, to give her a chance to excel, to give her a chance for a future. And I had brought her from an orphanage in India all the way to the US to a, to a very loving home. And I just, the more I thought about this, I just got more angry. And I was burning with anger at one point, even questioning whether we should have adopted our daughter. And it was only in that low point, in that very low moment, that finally the Holy Spirit revealed the truth. That this period of what I viewed as justified anger for unreciprocated love after having adopted this child was just a small reflection of how much more God would have been justified in rejecting us after having loved us unconditionally despite our rejection of him. God had done so much more for us. He had loved us when we were despicable sinners. He had paid the price of giving up his own son to just to gain our favor. He had made us heirs to his eternal kingdom. Yet we often, easily, without thought, turned our backs on him. And even then, he loved us graciously 
and waited for us to recognize his love for us. 1 John 3, 1 and 2. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it does not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will, what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. So only after my acceptance of this truth did I really notice a transformation in Sony's lives and his attitude towards us and towards me in particular. And it was not long before she would run to me saying Dada when I came home from work. Over the last 12 months, she's blossomed into our beautiful daughter who more than reciprocates our love for her. She jumps out of bed every morning when she first came home. She would actually even like rub her eyes and look around like, is this a dream? Am I really here? <laughs> she, she jumps out of bed every morning with a big smile on her face and gives us a big hug. Even in our moments of anger and parental discipline, which is why we quickly signed up for the, chill, uh, <laughs> the study on Saturday. <laughs> Even in our moments of anger and parental discipline, she stands there with a smile acknowledging to us daily that she indeed loves us with that simple, undemanding, childlike love. She has easily taken on her role as Evie's bossy but loving older sister. And although she is not long, she has a long way to go, this little girl who didn't even speak two words in her native language now won't stop talking, dancing, singing, and just causing mayhem with her little brother. We have been blessed by her in innumerable ways as she has brought so much joy and laughter into our home. Despite our worries in being faithful to the Lord's calling for us, we have indeed found that yes, the Lord's grace is sufficient in all things and is made up for all of our inadequacies. Again, we share our story here only with the joy of sharing a small picture of God's grace revealed to us through this adoption story. Look how much the Lord has done, how much he has grown and matured us. So let's spend a few moments thanking God for all that he has done for us. A father that loves us more than we can comprehend. A father who not only brought us to life, but has matured us and allowed us to grow. A father who has done everything for us. And so who else do we have to thank but you? Father, we're grateful that you're not done with us. We pray, Lord, that you would make us more and more like your son. We are so grateful for Jesus that he willingly suffered so that our suffering would be met with eternal hope. We thank you for giving us this time to pause and to remember all that you have done for us. May we be encouraged through one another and be moved to greater obedience with your help. May all of our lives speak loudly of the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness that is found in Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. <clears throat> 